Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Ladiga Brothers Talk. Today we want to talk about lockdowns. My name's Andrew. Working alongside my brother Richard, we have over 30 years experience in the health and fitness industry and pretty much over 80 years experience in life itself. Let me set the scene for you. Imagine your friend came to you and said that their partner had forced them to stay away from their friends, family and job. Imagine they'd also told you that they were not allowed to leave the house unless absolutely necessary and to cover their face and avoid people if they do go out. Imagine they were threatened with punishment if they didn't submit to what you asked. Would you call that abusive? What if they also said that the reason they're doing it is for your own benefit because it's going to stop you killing your family and friends to make it appear like it's something that it's not. Richard, what do you think about that? Yes, so that's a really interesting way of looking at it. Um, For a situation, obviously given what we're going through at the moment, you're referring to the government stance and COVID-19. So given the situation that we're in, that type of behaviour, you would expect it to be because of something that is, you know, massively, massively deadly. But when you've got 98 to 99% of people contracting this disease and surviving, is that sort of behavior acceptable? That's what we're talking about today. Because, yeah, those measures that you mentioned, those characteristics are exactly what we are all being subjected to on a daily basis. Is it warranted given this particular disease, given the fact that it's so close, so similar to what an abusive partner would, 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 be, um, would be dishing out? So, yeah, interesting way of looking at it. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, yeah, so before we go on, let me just mention that any advice or you know, any of today's uh, discussion is not, is not meant to be taken as medical advice. So whoever you normally listen to, whoever you normally trust to give you your medical advice, whether it be, you know, your regular Western doctor, or if you seek natural healing, whatever your usual method is, please seek um, information from your usual source and do not take what we're saying today as medical advice. And before we move on, I'd just like to mention that um, we are really, really, you know, behind everybody who is going through a tough time at the moment. We, we, we feel, you know, we feel the pain collectively. Um, anyone who's lost a loved one, either from COVID or with COVID or from something else, lockdown related, anyone who's going through a hard time as a result of this situation we, you know, our thoughts go out to you. Yeah, um, absolutely reiterated at this end also. Now, I want to start off with a quote from Einstein. Well, it is open to debate as to whether Einstein did say this. I have read places that people don't believe it was Einstein, but whether it was or it wasn't, this quote, I feel, is very relevant to the way we're living our lives right now. Now, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. I give you our third lockdown. Yeah, precisely. That's, um, that's, that sums up any type of behaviour that you would expect people to run in the opposite direction from. We all learn from our, from our lessons. We learn as we move through life. And if you can see a repeated pattern that does not benefit you, people around you continuing down the same path is as you said insanity now that's the question um the government have the government have reluctantly well they've been reluctant should i say to give us a cost benefit analysis of their policy their lockdown shutdown policy and when i say cost benefit analysis what i mean is if you weigh up the lives that could be saved from locking down, the lives that could be saved from this COVID disease because they believe being in close proximity with people is what's going to, you know, spread it. 
you weigh up the lives that could be saved by keeping everybody apart versus the cost the cost of that businesses um other surgeries and other treatments being withheld mental health and you know as we alluded to earlier the um abusive relationship side of things many 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 factors to take into account so the government have reluctantly avoided giving us a cost-benefit analysis so what we have to go on in terms of their reasoning and their decision making is the following keep the r number down below one that's going to slow the spread and actually reduce the spread less people will be passing this virus on stay apart and prevent the NHS from being overwhelmed. That's the reasoning behind the government's policy. And that's pretty much all we've been given. Stay apart. More recently, wear a mask, get the R number below one. And if you do that, guys, we'll get through this. Later on, the vaccines come into play. Another thing, if we do that, guys, we'll get rid of this. In terms of the science and the benefit and the cost benefit, we don't have that. Um, We don't have that from the government. Yeah, interesting that. And it's interesting that you mentioned the R number um, and also just numbers in general, because I want to kick off this side of things, speaking about things like R numbers and numbers in general when it comes to this COVID crisis, as they say. Um, And the reason numbers are going to be important because it's going to be important to try to explain to people that there is a level of fear, I feel, being put in from the media more than likely coming from above from the government, because the media seem reluctant to ask any of the questions that we are going to ask today. Now, the R number, the the reproductive rate, they've been going on about how it needs to be below one in order for us to potentially move on with our lives. But what a lot of people don't realise is the R number can be manipulated simply just by doing more tests. The more tests that you do, the R number. That's the first thing. I would like to say on that. Next thing, for me, the media are not doing their job in terms of asking the necessary questions. I've been watching a lot of the briefings over the last year. I don't think I've missed many of them at all. And I've not seen one journalist, not one, and I'm screaming out of the telly every single time I see a briefing, for someone to ask Boris or any of his sidemen whether there are any other options two lockdowns is there anything else we could do in order to not lock down but save people's lives we're all about saving lives we're all about protecting the vulnerable but is it and does it have to be at the detriment of people's livelihoods and of kids educations and so many more things which we're going to touch base on also if we're talking about numbers numbers can be manipulated just like the r number if i came over to your house and i said to you by the way, if you go outside, there's already 100,000 people dead. It's going to scare you. You're going to be like, blimey, I'm not stepping outside ever again. If I came over to you and said, oh, by the way, 100,000 people have died, but 68 million people are absolutely f- That number doesn't seem as scary. But this is the point where the problem lies, is numbers are being manipulated. Now, would the transmission and the death rate seem also as bad if they were talking about other things and other numbers? Would people feel so concerned and worried if they realised that while people are dying of COVID, people are also committing suicide because of the lockdown? There is um, a clinic in California who has already said they have seen more suicides than COVID deaths. What if we put up all these numbers? The businesses lost to COVID on that day. The jobs lost to COVID on that day. The amount of calls to mental health or domestic abuse charities today. How many kids, 9 million, if you wanted to know, who are not in education? Of those 9 million, you're looking at about 2 million of broadband or any form work what about the days lost in education in total and the numbers of people who are not getting other treatments such as things as serious as cancer down to someone having a broken leg what about all of that 
Exactly. These are these are you know equally important um, numbers for us to consider when making the decisions of do we lock down or do we not lock down, um, and the debate in terms of how they've come to how the government's come to that decision. It's not really been a an effective debate, a thorough debate. And yeah, if these numbers were put across every day, we would all be looking at things in a very, very different light. You do have to consider um, deaths from other causes because they're not being treated in the NHS. You've got to consider the effects of um, not going to school for children and how that's going to have a knock-on effect down the line and how unemployment will also have a massive detrimental effect to people's health down the line. So, yeah, these are numbers that do need to be looked at. But, yes, you're right. The the numbers are being skewed because all causes are being taken into account. So we don't actually know the true figure of COVID-19 deaths amongst the UK population or the world population because what happens is as long as you've tested positive, you could die of anything. But if you've tested positive, you become a COVID death. So it could be, you know, a large percentage off. This 100,000 could be well off for all we know. So, so people fully understand so, what we're saying here, which is basically what we're saying is if I go into hospital today and I have a COVID test and it comes back positive and I might literally just have very minor symptoms of feeling like, you know, got a bit of a cold, got a bit of a cough, got a bit of a you you could be you could be asymptomatic. Could even, you could be totally be, asymptomatic. I could be even asymptomatic, and it comes back positive. Yeah. But I leave the yeah. hospital, and on my way home, I have an unfortunate road traffic accident, and I am no longer with us. Is my death certificate going to say road traffic accident, or is it going to say COVID? It's going to say COVID, and this is going on all over the world. Mm. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to laugh, but in America, people have died from uh, gunshot, mm. gunshot fatality wounds and they've been taken into hospital now i don't know what's going on when they get taken into hospital wouldn't you think that um treating the patient is the first and foremost most important thing but they are somehow doing a pcr test along the way yeah yeah and that person is testing positive while they're being treated for a gunshot yeah. wound they then die from the gunshot wound but because they did a pcr test i don't know maybe when they should have been stemming the bleeding or doing other things because they've then tested positive they have gone down as a COVID mm. death. This is, this is what we're dealing with. And this is why it's not so straightforward. And, and this and is why we if have... You're, if you're not aware of this, this, if you're not aware of this, then, you know, you've got to, you've got to look at And things. this is why we have to look at things as fear-mongering because these things are not being fully explained. Or if they are being fully explained, they're being explained in terms of um, in the small print. Um, and I think it's important yep. to say at this point as well that um, Richard and myself are not COVID deniers. We're not silly people. We fully understand that COVID is out there. We fully understand that COVID is killing people. What we are trying to establish here today, right now, is whether lockdowns are the way forward in terms of treating this situation and looking after people. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I fully fully agree there is definitely something that is um that is working its way through the population and people are people are unfortunately dying however i think there's not been enough of an emphasis on the human immune system and the human ability to fight off diseases and illnesses now when you have um you know the head matt hancock when you have the head of our sort of health standing up and you know one once in once in a blue moon maybe once every 30 uh, press conferences he may mention something natural a vitamin or exercise something that's beneficial but 99% of the time there's no information about natural things that we can do vitamin d for example has been shown massively to be a factor yeah. here during the winter most people are deficient in vitamin D, lack of sunlight, um, wherever you are in the world during your yeah. winter. Vitamin D is widely believed to be a factor as to why respiratory illnesses and other illnesses like flu generally go up mm. in the winter. We don't hear this. We don't hear this. So, no, you're absolutely right. We are not COVID deniers, but we are here to provide any information that we've come across. And, um, and yeah, mainly, mainly 
we'll come on to it is to discuss lockdown and is it the correct the correct action to be taken yes. i mean and that's the thing i mean we are talking about fear-mongering and we've got to ask ourselves um when it comes to the way we watch television these days i think a lot of people have forgotten that the term television program or television programming it is actually a meaning the meaning of that is people are programming you while you watch telly every time you see an advert it programs you to think oh do i want that particular product it's no different to watching the news they are programming your minds to believe all of the negativity. Now, let's take face masks, for example. You might be one of these people, like I've seen lots of people on various different forums, who see someone who isn't wearing a face mask and you blame not wearing a face mask on the reason why there is COVID. You'll be out and about, you'll put your, your face mask on to protect you from COVID. But you'll get home, you'll dispose of your face mask and have a cigarette. No second thought to lung cancer. But why is that? Because for the last year, you've been programmed with nothing but COVID, COVID, COVID. And actually, you have forgotten that lung cancer also exists. Now, you can look up, and one of the things that we will add here now, just because it ties in quite nicely, is everything you will hear from me and Richard today, if you go to the description, um, when you come on this podcast, we have given you the very basic links of where you can find all of the information that we have found. We're no different to you. We have just searched for it. Might take a little bit more time. You're not going to find it as easily as finding all the negative press, but you will find it. And if you do want further information and further links, the real deep down dirty part of it, email us and we will give it to you. But we have found thousands of recommended scientists, doctors who are really good at their job, who have said there is no scientific evidence that symptom-free people without a cough or fever spread the disease. That is talking about asymptomatic transmission. Top scientists, top doctors fear there is very little in the asymptomatic transmission. Asymptomatic transmission, if you remember before COVID, asymptomatic meant you were healthy, you never had nothing. Now, all of a sudden, is you've got something, but you've got no symptoms, but you could kill your grandma. Just have a little think about that. Simple masks do not and cannot stop the virus. That is another thing you will hear from other doctors and scientists. Masks do not and cannot protect from infection. And non-medical face masks have very low filter efficiency in stopping the transmission of the virus. And you can find all this information from very good other doctors. British Medical Journal have got numerous um, peer-reviewed journals about it, and they've also got numerous things on asymptomatic transmission. The information is out there, but these guys aren't being given a voice. They're not standing up next to Boris at his lectern, having that debate with Boris about whether what he is saying, what Chris Ritty and Patrick Valance are saying. This is the problem. And the, the government are playing on our minds by telling us it's our job to protect the NHS. Let me tell you something, Boris. When I started working at 16, you gave me a national insurance number. With that national insurance number, you said every single month you get paid, I'm going to dip into your wages, I'm going to take some of your money, and I'm going to give it to the NHS. I ask, why are you going to do that, Boris? Because then when you're sick, the NHS will protect you. Okay, cool. So who's protecting the NHS? We'll protect the NHS, the government. So why am I now being asked to protect the NHS when that's your job as the government to protect the NHS, not mine. Richard. Exactly. This is cru crucial, isn't it? This is the message that's being pumped out is, you know, stay home, save lives, protect the NHS, protect the NHS. Like, it, it, correct. It, it, they're they're push, pushing it as though it's our job. It is our job to protect the NHS. And they've just twisted it. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's brilliant um, psychological manipulation, if you ask me. Uh, so with the masks and asymptomatic, this is important to note because what you're doing is you're locking down essentially healthy people, not just locking down vulnerable people or locking down sick people. You're locking down the whole nation and the majority of the nation are well and healthy and can work and can save the economy and, you know, everything else that goes along with a regular society. But because this asymptomatic narrative 
which, you know, studies that we'll come on to have shown is very, very dubious. Because of the asymptomatic spreading, we, the healthy, are being told to stay home. We, the healthy, are being told to wear masks. So my breath arguably carries the virus, which can go into, you know, the air and be breathed in by others. So we're going to come back to that. But that's why I just wanted to um, clarify why asymptomatic spreading and why masks are important in this lockdown question. We'll come back to that in in a little while. But yes, that should be the normal way of things in terms of the NHS protecting us. We pay towards the NHS via the government and the government does its job. And if the government did its job, instead of reducing beds over the last 10, 20, 30 years, for example, according to The Guardian, it's about, it says more than a year old. So let's say 2019, 2018, this article came out. It says 14,000 beds, 10% of the beds in the UK uh, were cut. And this is also because we don't have enough nurses. So if you've got more beds, you would need more nurses to staff those beds. But we've known about this for years and years and years. So when you have a problem that you've known about for years, do you bury your head in the sand and ignore it? Or do you actually go out and fix it? Can you imagine if in your house, in your own home, there was a severe issue, some sort of leak, maybe a gas leak, and you just left it for years like it was not important? It's, it could be fatal. The government, people could say they are incompetent. I think it's more like negligence, but we are the ones to blame. Don't forget that. That's what the message yeah. says. We're the ones to blame. The guy over there without his mask, he's to blame. Um, nothing to do with the government whatsoever. So it's, it's twisted, totally, totally twisted around, um, turn, turned on us. Absolutely. And I mean, this has been very progressive and it's called progressive programming. It's been very progressive in the way that we go about doing this sort of stuff or the media go about doing this sort of stuff. If you, t- if you take yourself back to March when, you know, it really became prevalent that there was a virus out there and it was doing some harm. And initially it started off with, you know, there's a virus out there. We need to protect each other. Everybody stay at home. It will just be a few weeks. It will just be three weeks if I was correct. It will just be a mask. Nothing to worry about. It will just be until cases go down. It will just be for a few more weeks. It will just be you have to not earn a living for a little bit. It will just be another couple of weeks. It will just be you can't see your loved ones. It will just be a track and trace app letting us know where you are so we can protect people. It will just be kids can't get an education. It will just be another couple of months. It will just be a vaccine. No, sorry. Now it looks like it's going to have to be three jabs of that vaccine. It will just be a vaccine passport. And it will just be, will go on and on and on. Because you've all had a friend or been in a relationship where you said to someone, you know what, this person just takes and takes and takes and doesn't give anything back. And this is no different. The more that you allow the government to take the more they will continue to take. And that is just the bottom line of the matter. Now, let's, for example, start off, it just started off with just three weeks, just a mask. Fast forward a year, you've got a couple of kids who were caught having a snowball fight in a park and they've been now charged £10,000 each. Now, if you're happy to live in a world where children cannot have a snowball fight, then one day you're going to go to bed in the United Kingdom and you're going to wake up in North Korea. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a scary prospect really, isn't it? But when you put it like that, three weeks, just this, three weeks, just that, um, we can all see the pattern. We can all look back uh, in hindsight and see, because it wasn't that long ago, right? We're talking about March. We can all remember sitting down, I think it was March 23rd, watching Boris announced the lockdown that we were all waiting for there it was there we go so it's not that distant in terms of memory and so much has happened since then that we never would have predicted um you know some people on you know whatever you want to call it on the extreme fringes will argue yeah 
this is how you get people to do what you want to do far down the line. You start with these small steps. Um, and, and yeah, that's, that's, it's, it's looking like some of these people on the fringes could be correct. Who knows where we are heading? Because this thing doesn't seem to be slowing up. Yeah. It seems this, this, this COVID train rumbles on. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, the media, let's, I mean, I just want to pick up one particular person that the media seemed to jump on the bandwagon of back in March. And it was a guy called Professor Neil Ferguson. And he's from the Imperial College of London. Now, what Professor Ferguson said is if nothing is done about this virus and it's allowed to spread uncontrolled through society, that more than 500,000 people will die in the UK. Now, if you've heard that and the, the news are having this report on repeat for a day or so on end, it's going to scare you. But if you'd stop, step back for a minute and you actually looked up a little bit on Professor Neil Ferguson, you'd have found that Neil Ferguson had also predicted 136,000 deaths to the mad cow's disease. He'd also predicted 200 million, 200 million deaths to the avian flu and 65,000 deaths to swine flu. Now, in all three of those particular viruses, basically only a few hundred people did end up passing away. This is a guy who has got his numbers wrong over and over again, but yet he was allowed to put the fear into all of us talking about 500,000 deaths. Now, for me, that just doesn't add up why we would take on board what a guy like this is saying. And then you culminate that with the final main message being, we are all in this together. No, we're not all in this together. The guys in the top of the banking world, earning good money, big houses, they are not in the same together that a person who is a single parent living in a council house is in. The, the money, the millions, in fact, billions that the government gave to Tory peers, friends or donors to do various PPE, vials, um, COVID testing, they're not in the same boat as a person who was doing that job long before any of these Tory peers are doing it. We are not in the same boat. We are not together. And I won't have Boris trying to make us all feel like it's a team effort. Yeah, um, I'm going to just talk about this lady up in Scotland. I think her name is Kerry Gwynny. She owns a small shoe shop. Um, and during the lockdown, what she decided to do was to deliver shoes, to sell shoes online, deliver shoes to her local customers and to keep her business going. She was then threatened with a £1,000 fine for taking, um, what do you call these journeys? Uh, you know, unnecessary journeys. An unnecessary journey. A non-essential, non-essential journey. She was threatened to pay, you'll have to pay a £1,000 fine if you continue. So she's had to stop. So her business is suffering and all she wants to do is deliver shoes. But Amazon are allowed to deliver thousands and thousands and thousands of parcels up and down the country because they need to keep their business going. Um, so does she. But you pick and choose who's allowed and who's not allowed. So we're not all in this together. It, it, it is one rule for, um, it is one rule for, for some and, and, and another rule for others. And yeah, you're completely right. PPE contracts have gone to people who've never, de um, never developed any form of PPE before. Um, there, there, there seems to be, in my opinion, a sort of look after your friends, old boys club happening here that, you know, we want to turn a blind eye to because if you are safe and comfortable at home, maybe earning money through furlough or earning money through work, you sort of, yeah, well, we know that there's a bit of corruption, but I'm okay. And you know, well, that's fine for now until it comes knocking on your door until <laughs> you are uh, personally, um, you know, in, in, in major trouble as a result of continually turning a blind eye to this sort of stuff. Our local businesses are being squeezed and shut down and can't work, but big businesses are allowed to continue on. Um, so the argument of we're in this together, um, 
it does not hold up. And yes, in terms of Professor Neil Ferguson and his outlandish claims, um, again and again and again, completely wrong. Um, it reminds me of the 45 minutes to attack Iraq uh, headline. I think back in 2003, we were told in the Commons that within 45 minutes, I, I think I'm right, within, I think it was 45 minutes, Saddam Hussein and his army could attack the UK. You know, it was one of the major factors that took us into that war that we should never have gone to. So these sorts of headlines is what, it's, it's like these headlines are completely part and parcel of taking us down a road that maybe we should not be going down. 500,000 deaths, according to Neil Ferguson, if we don't do anything, that's what took us into the first lockdown. 45 minutes from attack um, from, from Iraq, that's what took us to that war. We don't read small print and we don't look back and learn from our mistakes. We don't look back as a, as a group and learn from what's gone on before. We still, you know, march on trusting the media and the headlines. Okay. But yeah, we, I, I don't see how everybody's in this together when you have some that are earning full salaries, some earning nothing, some who are having to take loans. Um, the whole we're in this together is a fallacy. And it's interesting, you know, that you say the media are talking about, you know, we're all in this together, government talking about we're all in this together. I mean, you and I, we are just a couple of guys, Rich, who are just trying to put across our points and look at some of the things that we just don't think add up. You know, we're never going to be able to get across to people like the, the, the mainstream media are going to. But what I would like to do for anyone who is listening to this podcast and is, is even remotely thinking, well, there are a few points that these guys are making that are possible. What I want to do is just for a couple of days, don't turn on the news. Don't turn on any mainstream media, whether that be on your phone, internet, whether it be, you know, on the actual television. And just look up some of the links that we found. Ask yourself some of the questions of the things that we are putting across to you and just see whether, you know, some of these things may have some relevance. You know, I, I truly believe if you, outside of you shops being, if you didn't watch the news and you didn't step outside and realise that lots of shops are closed and no one was wearing a face mask, would you really know that there was a pandemic going on? I mean... I'm not sure how much you really would know. And if, you, and, if, and if in the long run, you know, it proves that the government were absolutely right. There was no other way to do things. There were absolutely no lies, no dodgy science, no anything. Then I'm sure me and Richard will be happy to be proved wrong. Um, and, you know, using the term dodgy science, you know, let's move on to some of that dodgy science. And I'll kick you off with a really, really simple one. We were talking about the big shops were able to open and the little shops weren't, are not able to open. Now, let's take face masks, for example. According to the government, according to what they're telling us, face masks stop or definitely slow transmission. Okay, fine. Well, if that's the case, why can I wear my face masks in a big corporate shop, supermarket, but I can't wear it to support my local shop down the road? Richard. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if, if face masks and social distancing um if if they're so effective then i've i've seen quotes saying well if the face mask works why do we need to social distance and if social distancing works why do we need a vaccine so it's just it's just the case of the other argument on the other side is well if you do all of it then collectively um you know it's it's going to slow the spread but there are so many studies um if you just look, I think the Danish study was one of the first to come out to look at masks and question whether or not they actually work. So just before we move on to more of the sort of dubious, dodgy science with the masks, um, what happens in, in hospital settings is I've heard that a doctor will change their mask every time they touch their mask. And if they don't touch their mask, then they'll change it every two hours. The idea of walking around in a mask and putting it in your pocket and taking it back out is crazy. Also, when you wear a mask, you're touching your face up to 10 times more than you would have done normally, adjusting the mask. So your fingers are constantly on this mask, way more than normal. And then if you do have any contaminants on there and it's on your hand, those hands will be touching whatever's in the supermarket. 
So the idea for masks needs to be really, really looked at. Um, but when you have doctors and scientists who come out and talk about this sort of thing, they are censored. If it's not coming from the WHO, anybody who says anything alternative that could make sense, and to me, on many occasions, does sound logical, you will eventually not be able to find that person on all of your usual YouTube um, mainstream Google searches. Then what happens to these people is they will be, um, they'll be discredited. They'll be discredited and discredited. And, and, and this is what's been happening over the last you know, nine months to 12 months. Anyone who talks counter-narrative um, just doesn't have a say. So what we found in terms of the virus itself, right? Last year during the Black Lives Matter protests, no noticeable spikes were found according to the National Bureau of Economic Research. So many, many, many protests, many, many marches took place. And when all was said and done, no major spikes were found. So is the science behind everybody being close together dodgy? Is it straightforward? Does it need to be looked at? Possibly. Again, following on from that, Let's take us back to the Spanish flu from 1918-1919. At the time, um, it was a landmark study by um, somebody in public health, a doctor in public health called Milton J. Rosenau. He published a study, and what he did was he took um, some Navy servicemen, and he took Navy servicemen around... Um, positive Spanish flu influenza cases. He took them around these cases and he tried to infect the healthy Navy servicemen. He tried to infect them. He took saliva and passed it across to the healthy servicemen. He took blood and passed it across. They coughed in each other's faces and spoke up close and hugged. Not one of the 10 servicemen caught the Spanish flu from the infected. He then widened the study. So he brought in another 50. I'm not sure if it was Navy servicemen. Uh, it just says here he brought in another set or recruited another set of 50 volunteers. And again, they, they could not prove human to human transmission. He's, you know, he's in pub, he was in public health, um, you know, almost, you know, a Chris Whitty of his day. And he... The, the quote that we have from him is, perhaps if we have learned anything, it is that we are not quite sure what we know about the disease. Okay. So he couldn't get human to human transfer from 60 healthy people who were around um, sick, positive Spanish flu people. He couldn't, he couldn't prove human to human transmission. We've got more recently the Black Lives Matter, which didn't really show a spike. Um, and let's move on to this asymptomatic argument. According to the very respected journal Nature in Wuhan, soon after, I think after their lockdown ended, they took 10 million people and studied 10 million people um, for various things relating to COVID. What they found was there were 300 asymptomatic positive cases out of the 10 million, 300. They then tracked every single contact of those 300 asymptomatic people in the massive you know, study. And they didn't find one of their contacts. Um, they did not find one of them who tested positive. Every one of the contacts of these asymptomatic cases helped um, had it were negative yeah well they were healthy but they test so you have you've got 300 people who tested positive but they were healthy they had yeah, no symptoms That's the term, healthy so then they chased up it was 1100 of their close contacts they chased them up and not a single one tested positive so everybody that these asymptomatic people have been around did not test positive this is in the journal nature very respected journal you can look yeah. this up. Uh, um, 
Okay. More, you know, dodgy signs relating to lockdowns. Recently, you've got Stanford professors. And again, I'm just going to quote. With regards to lockdown, while small benefits cannot be excluded, we do not find significant benefits on case growth or of more restrictive NPIs. Similar reduction in cases in growth may be achievable with less restrictive interventions. Mm. So small benefits may be um, attributed to a lockdown, but there's no significant benefits, according to these doctors and scientists out of Stanford University. We also have a Bristol professor um, who, I can't find his name at the moment, but we have a Bristol professor who's also said that he believes potentially an additional 500,000 deaths may come about as a result of lockdown, you know, the wider consequences of locking down. So 500 excess deaths because you've been locked down. 500,000 excess deaths. Excess deaths because we've locked down. 500,000 overtime, overtime. Yeah, overtime as a result of people going into unemployment, people going into poverty, um, you know, the stresses that go along with that and the reduction in people's personal health as a result of that. And um, so let me just quickly recap. The Black Lives Matter protest last year, that wasn't a conclusive, um, a conclusive piece of evidence for keeping people apart. The Spanish flu epidemic, pandemic, back 100 years ago, they could not prove human-to-human transmission. A, mess, a massive study in Wuhan of 10 million people, they found some asymptomatic cases. None of those asymptomatic people spread to their close contacts. And we've got some Stanford professors and a Bristol professor, both of whom are saying that lockdowns are not beneficial and, in fact, may lead to more wider deaths as a result of these measures. And and these are just a few scientists and doctors from around the world, and there's many more to be found. Now, I have here, I decided to print off from the Office of National Statistics, so this is available to everyone. You know, the government uses the ONS. You've seen them use it on their own um, briefings and stuff. And I have all the amount of deaths registered in England and Wales since 1990. Now, I'm not going to take you back that far, but let's go back, um, let's say five years. Let's go 2015. So in 2020, the year of the pandemic, there were 561,529 deaths registered. 561, just remember that, 561. Go back to 2015, there were 529. So about 30,000 more in 2020. In 2016, there were 525, so 35,000 more in 2020. 2017, 533, so about 27,000 more in 2020. 2018, 541, so about 20,000 more in 2020. And 2019, there were 530, so about 30,000 more in 2020. Now, first thing I'm going to say is for a pandemic... For the last five years, for there only to be 35,000 more deaths than any year in the last five years, is that a pandemic? Now, I don't know. You can work out, you can make your own decision on that. Now, let's say we go back to the very top of the show where we spoke about deaths being attributed to COVID if you've been tested positive within 28 days. Now, let's say 30,000 deaths were attributed to just a 28-day test, not because you died of it. That would make these figures on a pandemic year exactly the same as any other year. That is the Office of National Statistics that the government has been using themselves. Yeah, and when you take the information that's out there from these sources, from government sources, it is there. I remember, for example, some of the information that came out regarding the vaccines to do with fertility. You go on the government website, they had information for healthcare workers regarding the vaccine. And there was one of the points, there was 
many, many points, but one of the points said then the government are unsure the effect on fertility. That has now changed to, based on animal studies, there is nothing to tell us that there's an issue with fertility. So you can see that there's information from the most respected sources. If, you, if you're talking about a government source, if you're talking about a government document, if you're talking about the Office of National Statistics, you're talking about Stanford professors, professors of universities in this country, doctors and scientists from all around the world. These are respected sources. And if you are unable to debate conflicting arguments and conflicting information, then there's a problem. Without debate, you've got no democracy. So the problem that I've got is these people are being shut down or anybody quoting valid information, even if it's from a government source, is being shut down and discredited. You've all got to be saying the same government narrative. Absolutely. So that brings us on nicely to discussing what are the damaging causes of these lockdowns? Are these lockdowns going smoothly? And other than, unfortunately, people passing away, is a lockdown working? Or are there things that this lockdown is causing that we are not being informed about? So, yeah, we have quite a few negative effects. You mentioned suicide earlier. So I've got an article here and it is saying suicide calls, um, routine medical care postponed and suicide calls have gone up 600%. The Office of National Statistics, for example, if we come back to this country, I think that was in America, but if you come back to this country, for males and females aged between 20 and 34, suicide and injury of poisoning it says here, of undetermined intent, remain the leading cause of death in 2017 for 20 to 30, for people of 20 to 34 years of age, suicide and injury from poisoning. That was before the lockdown. So we already know, or people, you know, who've studied this information already know that the biggest killer you could argue, you know, maybe epidemic proportions for people that are aged between 20 and 34 is suicide. So what do we do? We put them under pressure where suicide goes up. That's, that makes sense. Um, British Medical Journal. Here's the title for this article. COVID-19. Suicidal thoughts increased in young adults during lockdown UK study finds. So what we're doing is we are pushing a group of people who are already... Um, they are already predisposed potentially to this as their major killer. We're pushing them into that corner even more. Overdose. Um, What do we have here? So overdoses, for example. It says here, overdoses increased up to 42% per month during the pandemic. 42% per month overdoses went up during the pandemic. Now that's according to um overdose detection mapping this is a website who you know i think around the world they they calculate and share this data for overdoses around the world and that's the uh, that they're called odd map so that's come from them so we've got suicides going up um the risk of suicide as a result of lockdowns going up young people who already um you know potentially not predisposed, but it's already a risk for them. They're being put under more pressure. Another uh, negative damage caused by lockdown, according to The Guardian, we have, thanks to the lockdown, 70,000 households in the UK have been made homeless during this Mm. pandemic. So, and again, you know, another negative that is ignored we we're not we're not really talking about this um you know as much as i think we should we could go on and on and on so yeah it's yeah it's it's not just a simple case of stay home save lives it's stay home save some lives and risk Mm. others that should be the message yeah yeah stay home save some lives 
lose others and the cost benefit analysis has not been provided from the government so we do not actually know is it beneficial or is it not beneficial um that's that's the yeah. big problem and we've not even mentioned children's educations you know and and things like that i mean these are these are these are big issues um in terms of saving lives versus what's happening to other people's lives so okay so we've We've looked at the science, we've looked at the things that we think are right and wrong. We have looked at what the lockdown is doing and what other damages it's causing. But it's all good us sitting here and preaching and being like, well, lockdowns don't work. Okay, let's let's say we're put in a position to make a change to lockdown. What are we gonna do? What are the other options? What are other countries doing? Did any other countries not even lock down? Um, so we've we've got quite interestingly we've got two opposites we've got South Korea who did not lock down and have a very low death rate fourteen hundred deaths in comparison to our over hundred thousand deaths um, they they have not had a lockdown and then oppositely you've got a country like Peru and I quote it says in this article um, the world's toughest lockdown has resulted in the world's highest COVID-19 death toll. So Peru, um, is, you know, arguably, a lot of people are coming together and saying Peru has had the strictest lockdown of anybody, um, but they've had one of the worst, worst deaths per capita result from that. So on one hand, you've got South Korea, no lockdown, very low deaths. And on the other hand, Peru extremely strict lockdown and very high deaths so once again it almost looks completely inverse and in a way it's not surprising because many treatments are being put to the side in the UK for example I have a BBC article here it says coronavirus could cause 35,000 extra UK cancer deaths coronavirus could cause 35,000 extra UK cancer deaths that was July last year so are we going down the right road? Potentially, we should be looking at the South Korea model. We've attempted to um, copy the, the China model, the lockdown model, as did Peru. They didn't fare very well. I don't think we're faring very well when you compare us to someone like South Korea who've not had a lockdown and only 1,500 deaths. So alter alternatives... If we're looking at alternatives, then first and foremost, the red tape um, that's being put in place for retired medical staff to come back and help needs to be removed. We've got here um, red, the Metro. No, sorry, the Mail. It says here, red tape blamed for only 5,000 of the 40,000 retired NHS workers who volunteered to return being given jobs. So 40,000 retired NHS workers volunteered to come back and help in this emergency. Clearly, we needed it. We had the nightingales. Of the 40,000, only 5,000 uh, were given the job. And the reason that they, only 5,000 were given the job was because of courses uh, that they weren't up to date on. One course that they weren't up to date on was they needed to prove, they needed to prove that they had gone through the course relating to preventing radicalization. So it was very difficult for uh, retired doctors and nurses to come back and help. That is one thing that is an alternative measure that could have and should be looked at. Um, taking potentially the furlough costs, 16 billion, we, we spend 16 billion per week on furlough. Uh, according to, I think that one's the mail. Um, and if we took that money, let's say, and pumped it into the NHS, and, you know, if we had the staff that were applying to come back, and if we recruited and trained, then um, that would be a much better alternative, a much better, you know, way to spend our money. We could keep the economy open, we could keep people working, divert that furlough money into the NHS, which, as we keep on hearing, is the reason we're in a lockdown, because they're going to be overwhelmed. Well, if they're going to be overwhelmed, let's look at the NHS, not ignore 
that the NHS needs extra resources. So, first of all, for an alternative, let's look at the South Korea model. Whatever South Korea are doing, we need to be, you know, on board and copying in that. We could be diverting the furlough money, get people working, especially if they're healthy and asymptomatic, get them working, divert the furlough money into the NHS, make it easier for retired staff to come back and work. Um, yeah, just a, a, a couple of methods there that that I think would be much more beneficial for us to look yeah, into. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's definitely going to have to open up the debate, isn't it? People at least have to have the debate. And if they start looking deeper into it, you have got the, the career, South Korea model you brought up. Hong Kong also have done it. Sweden have also done it. Belarus have done it. There are a few countries that didn't go with yes. the lockdown and yes. you can make your own you know, you could take the time to look up yourself whether they have, how they have fared compared to us. Um, but yeah, in closing this debate today on lockdown, mm. for me personally, the state-imposed sanctions, these pandemic policies have almost exclusively harmed the middle and the poor class. And the rich people have become richer and more powerful due to the pandemic. And it's all one way and, from, and there has been no proof of anything that forms us being in it together. So, you know, I would just like to come out of this and people, if they take anything away from this, is just take the opportunity to not be so close-minded, not listen to Chris Whitty and Valance and only take their positions and their stances on things as a scientist and as a doctor and maybe look into other scientists and other doctors who are just as qualified, some more qualified, who don't believe this is the way to go. Rich, what do you want to finish up with? Well, I'd just like everybody to realise that, let's be, let's be honest about this disease, there is a 98-99% survival rate, and these are the measures that are in place for you know, a pandemic with a 98 to 99% survival rate. Now imagine that there's another pandemic down the line and the, the survival rate, you know, drops from 98, 99 down to maybe 90 or down to 80%. If these are the measures that are in place now for something where most people, majority of people survive, what do you think, what kind of measures would be put in place if a new pandemic hits us with a much lower survival rate? I dread to think. Um, and this isn't like some distant possibility. Bill Gates predicted this pandemic. He's done a TED talk on the pandemic and we need to be prepared. Uh, event 201, which took place, funnily enough, two months before or three months before the World Health Organization announced. Event 201 also predicted the potential pandemic three months prior. And Bill Gates himself has said there will be another pandemic. Um, I've seen videos of him talking in America on television saying some countries have reacted well to this pandemic and some countries not so well. But when the next pandemic hits, we'll see what happens then. He's, he, he said that there will be another pandemic. He's predicted it and I believe that there will be another pandemic. And it's scary to think if we've accepted these measures now, what are the future measures that are going to be put in place um, and yeah, I would just like to finish on, um, and it's all quite negative today, but I'd just like to finish from the British Medical Journal. Uh, if this was an article or a, a study published 13th of November 2020, and it's titled COVID-19, Politicization, Corruption and Suppression of Science. And they go on to say, when good science is suppressed, by the medical political complex, people die. And there's a whole article here arguing that it's been politicized. And this is definitely something we need to be moving away from. We need it. We need this sort of thing to be taken out of the hands of politicians and just given over to scientists who can debate on behalf of the people to come up with best solutions for everybody. But unfortunately, there's a politicization and a corruption element that is going on so we all need to be aware very much so and you're right it has been a very sort of negative show and a, a real to life show today but you know next week we will move on to topics a lot closer to our hearts and that is health and fitness mental health as well as physical fitness during the pandemic during the lockdown 
how you keep yourself fit and healthy during it, and also as we slowly come out of it. Um, I want everyone to stay safe, regardless of how much they are drumming that into us. That is still important. But I think I will just leave with one final quote. We started with a quote from Einstein, and we'll finish with a from Mark Twain. It's easier to fool people than to convince people they have been fooled. Take care. Stay safe.